Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, and turn to 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter number 6. And I was looking over this outline just a little bit before I came up here to preach, and I don't know whether this is a sermon or a lesson or I don't know what this is. Um, but uh, whatever it is, we're going to try to give it to you this morning. I, I don't know how we're going to get this in in 30 minutes, but we'll do our best, and, and I know the Lord will, will help us today. I'm thankful to be your pastor. I count it, in, I count it an honor to, to be your pastor. I, I thank the Lord. God's blessed me with some of the greatest people in the whole world to pastor. And I'll tell you the difference between a hireling and a pastor. And there's a lot of hirelings in the pulpit today. A hireling is a guy that a church pays to come preach a sermon. He has no connection to the church. He doesn't care, really. I mean, he doesn't really care about the business of the church, doesn't care about the finances of the church. He just comes in and preaches a sermon, and after he preaches a sermon, he closes his Bible, and they hand him a love offering, and he leaves. And there's a lot of that. I'll be honest, there's a lot of that in America. But there's a big difference between a hireling and a pastor. A pastor doesn't simply just preach a sermon uh, a shepherd, a true shepherd, spends time with the sheep. And I was thinking about this earlier this week as I knew what I was going to be preaching on today. Check this out. and it's, it's really interesting. A shepherd is with the sheep so much that he begins to smell like the sheep. They, they can tell he's been with the sheep because he takes on, he takes on their, their smell. Now, I'm not saying you smell this morning. I'm not saying that at all. Some of you smell good, in fact. And, uh, but I'm just saying that a hireling knows nothing about the flock and doesn't really care. With a shepherd, that's totally different. A shepherd doesn't care about just coming in and preaching a sermon. A shepherd wants to make sure that he's meeting the needs of the flock. And sometimes... Occasionally, the shepherd might even see some things where the sheep are struggling just a little. And so the shepherd wants to help the flock. And so as your shepherd this morning, I want to help the flock a little bit. So 2 Samuel chapter 6 in your Bibles, when you find your place, let's all stand this morning. And I'll have to preach this really fast to get this through this, to get through this but I believe we can, we can do it and still make a difference. And because I'm excited about our study tonight on the Holy Spirit, and so I'm not going to break this up into two parts, although we could easily do, to do that. 2 Samuel 6, verse 16, the Bible lets us look down into people's personal lives. If, if you will, Scripture sort of pops the, the roof off the house, and it lets us look down, and that's what it's getting ready to do. In 2, Cham 2 Samuel chapter 6, and verse 16, we read about David and his wife, McCall. And this is very, very personal, but the, the, but the Bible lets us see into this. And so let's look at it. Verse 16, and as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. And they brought in the ark of the Lord and set it in his place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And as soon as David had made an end of offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he dealt among all the people, even among the whole multitude of Israel, as well to the women as men, to everyone a cake of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. It's a, a, a large container of wine. And so he gives them bread, he gives them meat, he gives them drink. The Bible says, so all the people departed, everyone to his house. Notice verse 20. Then David returned to bless his household. And Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how glorious was the king of Israel today, who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovered himself. And you do notice there's an exclamation point right there. So she said this with quite a bit of passion, as women folk 
often do. Now, folks, it's in the Bible, all right? So you have to take this up with the Lord. Verse 21, and David said unto McCall, it was before the Lord, which chose me before thy father and before all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore will I play before the Lord, and I will yet be more vile than thus than you are, and will be base in mine own sight, and of the maidservants which thou hast spoken of, of them shall I be had in honor. How many believe already we're heading in the wrong direction? Yeah, we are. In fact, look at verse 23. Therefore, whenever you see the word therefore, you always go back and see what it's there for. Well, we know what it's there for because we just read it. Therefore, McCall, the daughter of Saul, had no child on the day of her death. I want to talk to you about this subject, resolving disagreements. Brother Timmy and I were talking in the office just a moment ago and talking about titles, and I said, I don't have a fancy title today. I'm just going to tell you what I'm preaching on today. It's not fancy. It's just what I'm preaching on, resolving disagreements. And so you may be seated. We're going to pray, and, and we're going to jump. So buckle up and hold on tight, all right? So we're going to jump into this. Father, we love you, and we thank you for this morning. It's been a great morning, and we are so honored to be here. We really are. We count it a privilege, Lord, just to be able to, to, to be where we are. And now, Lord, we've enjoyed the music, the choir, the special. We've enjoyed the good congregational singing. We've enjoyed the fellowship, the Sunday school Lord, all of it's been great. And now as we take a few moments and end this service with some preaching and teaching, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you might anoint it, and I pray that you would use it in our hearts and our lives, not just in the congregation, but in my life as well. And I pray that we would leave this place better than we were than when we entered earlier today. And I pray that we'll be better servants for you. Fill us with the Spirit of God, and Spirit of God flow out of us today. And I pray that your word will hit its mark. Father, we love you. We praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake we pray. Amen. And so a husband and wife had a fight. It's a pretty bad fight. And the next day he went to work and he was telling his friend about this fight he and his wife had. And he said, yeah. He said, man, she said this and I said this. And he said, before we know it, he said, man, it was just, it blew up. And, and the friend Asked the husband, he said, well, how did it end? He said, ah, he said, she came to me crawling on her knees, saying, get out from under that bed and fight like a man. And now, I hope that's not the case with you, all right? I hope that's not your situation. And that's a little humorous story. And one guy said about his wife, he said, she is an angel. She really is. She's an angel. Always up in the air harping about something. <laughs> and now, I, I thought I'd use a little humor as we started because this story that we read in 2 Samuel chapter 6 is definitely not humorous. And we find here in 2 Samuel chapter 6 a very serious, serious dis disagreement. In fact, in southern terms, they would not understand this out where my son pastors the church, but in southern terms, this is what we would call a knockdown, drag out. Now, we understand that, all of us. If, if you understand that, give me an amen right there. Yeah, you understand what I'm talking about. In all seriousness, this was uh, quite the disagreement. In fact, what I want to point out to you this morning is that it grew from a simple disagreement into full-blown destructive bitterness. If you go back and read about McCall and David, you'll find out that this disagreement that started simple ended up re wreaking havoc in both their lives. Notice, if you will, several things. Well, first of all, we notice that McCall has no child by David. We find that in verse number 23. The Bible says, therefore, because of this disagreement, because of this fuss, this fight that they had, therefore, McCall, the daughter of Saul, had no child unto the day of her death. Now, I don't know exactly what that means. I don't know if that means that David was no longer interested in McCall or that means that McCall would have nothing to do with David, but whatever it means, uh, evidently they lost that part of their relationship. It was greatly, greatly hindered 
to the point that that intimacy in their relationship uh, eventually evaporated. Not only that, but we notice that just five chapters later, we notice that David becomes involved in terrible, terrible immorality. By the way, there's no excuse for what David did, no excuse at all. But David becomes involved in, in bad immorality. Second Samuel chapter 11 tells us about his fall with Bathsheba. And, uh, and after that, well, it's just a downward spiral for David and his family. Now, again, I'm just trying to make a point, and the point is this, that a simple disagreement turned into a complicated, and when I mean complicated, I mean complicated, turned into a complicated disaster. It went from a disagreement to a disaster. Now, Calvary, I'm gonna be honest. It's evident in America that we are not scoring very high when it comes to disagreement. Uh, out of 34 countries studied, America is reported to have the highest rate of divorce of any of those 34 countries. One article reported that couples average 312 arguments per year. Now, listen, you average that out, that's about an argument every single day. And I just want you to understand that is not what God meant for life to be. That's not what God meant for marriage to be. A recent article, and this is not just to married couples, but let me just use some of these that uh, might, might put this in perspective. A recent article that I used for one of our marriage retreats said this, that it cited the top 10 things that married couples argue about, and some of these said that they felt that these things were big enough to separate over. Can I give you the number one? Number one was stubble in the sink. In other words, some of these couples were fighting. No, no, it's not right. I'm not saying it's right. Fellas, watch the sink out, okay? All right, do that. Clean the lavatory up when you get done. But I'm just saying this. That's no reason to separate. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, number four on the list was not replacing the toilet paper. Number five was leaving the toilet seat up. By the way, all of those are men mistakes right there, by the way, just in case you're wondering. And, uh, and now listen to me. I, I, I just want you to understand something, that we're not doing real good on disagreement. Uh, and so I want to talk to us a little bit today about this subject of some keys to resolving disagreements. I think I've got six points, and so we'll just do our best to give you all that we can. Some, some keys to resolving disagreements. Number one, the first word I want to give you is the word reality. Reality. Now, I think it might be good if we all had a reality check. And the reality is this. Disagreements are going to come. They're going to come. They're a part of life. Disagreements are going to come. Listen, church, if some of the greatest Bible characters in the Word of God had disagreements, what makes you think you're not going to have some? Because you are. Now, I want to show you a good example of what I'm talking about today. And so take your Bibles, if you will, and, and turn over to Acts chapter 15 with me. Acts chapter 15. And it seems like, and I can give you others, and I have others on the outline, but I'm not going to go to those today. But, but when I begin to think about disagreements um, and, and great people having disagreements, it seems that my mind always goes to Acts chapter 15. And in Acts 15, we read about two of the greatest Bible characters that you'll ever study. That's Paul, the apostle, and Barnabas, the son of consolation, two of the greatest men mentioned in the New Testament. Now, Paul was used of the Lord to write a vast portion of your New Testament. And Barnabas was, I'm going to be honest with you, Barnabas was responsible really in a, in a big way for Paul's early growth as a Christian. Look what happens in Acts 15 and verse 35. The Bible says Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord and with many, with many others also. And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Verse 37, and Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them who departed from them, uh, uh, who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they, Paul and Barnabas, that they departed asunder one from the other. 
And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. Now, basically what's going on is this. Paul and Barnabas are getting plans to go on another missionary journey, and Barnabas, the son of consolation, kind of guy Barnabas was. By the way, Paul better be glad that Barnabas was this kind of guy because Barnabas used this to try to help Paul in his early Christian life. And so Barnabas says, Paul, I got, I got a good idea. Let's take John Mark with us. And Paul said, no way, Jose. We're not doing that. We're not doing that. That guy left us back on this other journey. He left us, left the work, and we're not going to take him. And I can hear Barnabas, the son of consolation, saying, well, I think it, it encouraged him, and I think we could pour into him, and I think uh, we could be a blessing, and I think he'll grow. And, and Paul says, I'm not having any part of that. He's not going. And the Bible says they begin, to, they, they begin to have contention, and the contention got so sharp that finally the dream team, Paul and Barnabas, had to part ways. Now, I will, I will mention this to you that if you go and study this out, all of those men evidently were still used greatly of the Lord in the New Testament. They did not let a disagreement, although it was serious, they did not let a disagreement get them out of the will of God. And I think that's a real good point for us to hit right there. Listen, church, reality is you're gonna have disagreements. Listen to me. Just because you have a disagreement doesn't mean your life's falling apart. So somebody says, Pastor, we had, a, we had an argument in our marriage. Okay. So? <laughs> you had an argument in your marriage. Arguments are not good. Makeups are wonderful. They are wonderful. And sometimes you'll never have a great makeup if you don't have a bad argument. And so, hey, listen, this is what I'm saying. Listen, just because you had a disagreement doesn't mean your marriage is falling apart. And sometimes people, you know, people get the idea that if there's a, if there's a difference of opinion or there's a disagreement, that everything's coming apart at the seams. And, you know, somebody says, preacher, did you know that so-and-so, by the way, thank the Lord, I don't have anybody in my mind right now. And so this is just preventive maintenance preaching. Thank you, Lord, for that. And somebody says, pastor, did you know that so-and-so and so-and-so in the church are at odds right now and they're having a disagreement and boy, the church must be having problems. Listen to me, folks. The reality of life is this. Disagreements are going to come. They're gonna come. Uh, people have differences of opinions. They have differences of beliefs. They have different, different likes, different dislikes. And so it is a reality that disagreements are going to come. And so number one is reality. Number two is the word sensibility. We're talking about resolving disagreements. How you say, preacher, how do you resolve a disagreement? Well, how about this? Know when to stop. Be sensible. Hey, listen, know when to go to your separate corners and take a breath. Did you know you don't have to keep hammering and hammering and hammering? You say, well, pastor, we discussed something and it didn't get resolved. Okay, take a break. Take a break. No, I'm serious. Take a break. Man, even, listen, I used to love, I used to love to watch Sugar Ray Leonard box. And, and, uh, and I'm telling you, Sugar Ray Leonard was one of, the, one of the greatest boxers that's ever walked in a ring. But even Sugar Ray Leonard took a break at the end of the round. Listen, just take a break. Now, you say, Pastor, why do you say that? And this is the reason. Did you know it's amazing how different things look after people have rested? And how, how, how differently things will be when you let your emotions calm down. But boy, in the heat of the moment. Well, I'm telling you one thing, preacher. I'm right. Okay. All right. I'm not debating you're your right or wrong or whatever the case may be. And I'm just saying this, that if you're going at each other and there's a, there's a disagreement, hey, listen, take a deep breath. And by the way, some of you younger couples, man, it's going to take a little while for you to learn this. But boy, I hope you, I hope you learn it faster than we did. And hey, listen, just take a break and, and go, get, go get you a Diet Coke and, and put some ice in that Diet Coke. And, and man, go and get you a honey bun or something and, and put it in the microwave for about 10 minutes. And, and hey, hey, honey, just take a chill pill. And you'll be amazed. After you just leave it alone for a little bit, just leave it alone. You'll be amazed at how the stress and the emotion 
will dwindle away. And you'll be able to handle that, that disagreement with a more level hand. But wait a minute, she says something and then you say something and she says something back and you say something and before you know it, it's like a tennis match. Like, hmm. And she's like, really? Hmm. You're like, all right, yeah. How about this? Ha! Huh. She's like, you ain't seen nothing yet. Woo! You know. And before you know it, man, I mean, it's just back and forth and back and forth. And man, you're in a mess. Now, I don't know, listen, I, I don't know how it is as much anymore with these new vehicles, but I know years ago, when some of these older vehicles, if you had a, uh, if, you, if your motor ever got hot and your radiator overheated, how many know it was never a good idea to pull to the side of the road, pop the hood, and take your lid off? You know why? That thing is under pressure. And it is hot, and if that lid comes off, it'll scald you. You know what you had to do? At least for the older, older vehicles, you know what you do? Pull, you pull to the side of the road, you cut it off, and you stop and just leave it there for a little while. And you let it cool down. You let the pressure, oh, this is good preaching this morning. You let the pressure die down. You let the heat die down. And after it's done all that, then very carefully you take the lid off. Listen, if we can apply that to our disagreements, whether it's marriage or parent-child or, or church or business or job or whatever the case may be, listen, hey, just be sensible. Learn when to stop. Just stop. You say, Pastor, it's not getting better. Okay. Can I say this very kindly and, and, and Christian? Shut up. Now, you say, preacher, why are you saying that? Because David and McCall didn't do that. Now, I know I had you turn, turn away from it, but I want you to turn back over there because I want to show you something. Turn over to 2 Samuel chapter number 6, and I want to show you something that's pretty interesting about this story. 2 Samuel chapter 6, and look, if you will, at, um, look at verse number 20. David and McCall did not use sensibility. <laughs> they weren't sensible. Now, pastor, what are you talking about? Well, look at verse 20. What are the, all right, let's just read it. 2 Samuel 6, verse 20. The Bible says, then David returned to bless his household. Now look up here real quickly, and, and we're gonna get going here. So you understand what's going on? The Ark of the Covenant has been away from Jerusalem for a long, long time. It's been in the hand of the Philistines. They bring the Ark of the Covenant back. Uzzah touches it. They leave it in the house of Obed-Edom for, uh, uh, for, I think, three months. And, uh, and God blesses the house of Obed-Edom in a great way. And word comes to David and says, man, God's blessing Obed-Edom because of the Ark. And David said, let's go get it. Let's bring it home. They bring the Ark of the, uh, of the Covenant into Jerusalem. The presence of God is what that symbolized. And boy, the people are so excited. And the Bible says, David, man, he's just so excited. He just dances before the Lord. And man, he's just shouting the praises of the Lord. And, uh, and he says, man, I'm so happy. He said, I'm just going to bless everybody. And he said, hey, I want everybody to have some bread. And everybody's going to have T-bone. And everybody's going to have a flagon of wine tonight. And then he's just giving groceries out. Out and he's just blessing people, and they're like, thank you, thank you, sire, thank you, sire, thank you, your majesty, thank you, your majesty. Oh, what a day. Oh, what a great day. Oh, oh, this is a wonderful day. And, and then after David gets all the people taken care of, the Bible says he goes home to bless his household. Now, church, I want to tell you something. David was in such a mood, McCall could have got anything she wanted. She could have got a brand new chariot. I don't know what they had, but if they would have had a Cadillac, Escalade, chariot back then, she could have got it. Because he was in that kind of mood. Now look what it says. Then David, verse 20, then David returned to bless his household and McCall, the daughter of Saul, didn't even let him get in the door. She came out to meet David and said, how glorious was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself today in the eyes of the handmaids of his servants as one of the vain fellows shamelessly uncovered himself. In other words, she slammed him. 
You know what? She didn't even give give him a chance to walk in the door. She met him outside the door and she said, I don't know if you know this or not, but you made the biggest fool of yourself. Honey, I'm home. Isn't Isn't it amazing? Everybody loves to be greeted like that. Don't you love it when you're greeted like that? I mean, you know, you greet your husband like that. I'm glad you're home. I tell you what. Or your wife. Where have you been? Don't you understand I'm hungry? Oh, we're preaching good today. Yeah, we're preaching good today. You know what? When you meet somebody at the door at the end of the day, you know what you want? You just want a hug and a kiss. That's all you want. Just a hug and a kiss and some Lipton iced tea. And I mean, that's what you want. And so David comes home. He's going to bless his household. And if Michael, if McCall, if McCall had been sensible, she would say, you know what? I'm just going to wait on this. I'm going to sit on this. And uh, I don't really like what he did today. But you know what? He's in a great mood. And, and Israel's rejoicing. And the ark is back. And, and you know what we're going to do? We're going to sit down and have a great meal. And i tell you what we'll do. We'll discuss this later. I didn't really like some of the things he did. But we'll discuss that at a later time. I'm telling you, this story would have worked out much, much different. Right. But she did not use sensibility. By the way, people do that in church. Well, I, I, I'm just amazed at how church people talk to church people. I mean, it's, it's just, sometimes it just blows my mind. Hey, friend, listen to me. That's your brother in Christ. That's your sister in Christ. You say, I know, preacher, I can't stand their guts. You better be careful about that. You better be careful. You say, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying God has a sense of humor. And he may put their mansion right beside yours in heaven. (laughs) And for all of eternity, you'll see them. Come on now. Hey, listen, I'm talking about being sensible. And so Michael was not sensible, but I'm gonna tell you something else. David was not sensible. David made the mistake of what I just talked about. He would not let up. Look what it says. 2 Samuel 6, verse 21. (laughs) Boy, David's ticked. I mean, he is ticked off. Verse 21, and David said unto McCall, it was before the Lord, which I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but he's saying, which, by the way, just in case you forgot, chose me before your father. And if that's not enough, before all his house, to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord of Israel, over Israel. But David doesn't stop. He said, therefore will I play before the Lord. Verse 22, he just goes on and on. And yet I will be more vile than you are than thus and will be based in mine own sight. And, and oh, 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 by the way, those maidservants you mentioned a while ago. <laughs> oh, David, you are committing suicide right now. And of the maidservants which thou hast spoken of, of them, maybe not you, sis, but of them shall I be had in honor. Y'all see where we're going? Hey, church, listen, just use some sensible, just some common sense. Just use some common sense. Now, I got to get to these other points, but just use some common sense. Hey, listen, if you walk in this church and you you need to ask yourself a question. If I say what I want to say, is it going to help this church? Is it going to hurt this church? If the answer to that question is, it's going to hurt this church, then just hush. Well, I know, but I don't agree. I don't agree with Brother So-and-so. Okay. Okay. Reality. We're not all going to agree on everything. But just, just realize that, you know what we can do? We can agree to disagree and, uh, but hey, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying or building up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers and just use some common sense in every relationship, not just church, but your marriage, your, your parent-child relationship, child-parent relationship. Uh, hey, hey, kids, some of you kids, listen to me. It's preaching time. 
Some of you kids could get anything you wanted if you just play your cards right. And that's the truth. But you walk in with a smart attitude and a cocky attitude and call him your old man and that's my old lady. That's not your old man and that's not your old woman or old lady. Your mama went to the jaws of death to give you life and when you couldn't change your dirty diaper, they changed your dirty diaper for you and when you couldn't pay for air conditioning, they paid it for you and when you couldn't go to the doctor yourself, they took you to the doctor. Hey, they owe some respect. Whatever happened to our common sense Common sense in America. Hey, kids, let me help you. Let me, let me help you. Because I'm, I'm so afraid of the, of, of the police, preacher. I'm so afraid of the police. You don't have to be afraid of the police. We love the police at Calvary. We're pro-police, pro-sheriff. Now, if the policeman pulls you over and says, can I see your license and registration? That don't mean roll your window up. Can I get a witness this morning? Can somebody tell me what's going on in America? We don't even make, we don't even know, listen, we don't even make sense anymore. If an officer pulls you over and says, can I see your license and registration? Hey, listen, just get your license and registration out and pass it to the man. And don't sass him and don't, listen, you can debate all that later. I'm talking about sensibility. <laughs> I know we got to get on. Amen. Are we having fun in the Lord's house this morning? We're talking about keys to resolving disagreements. Number one, reality. Number two, sensibility. Number three, oh, this is a tough one. Number three, humility. Now, listen to this. Regardless of what it is you're disagreeing on, try your best to have a spirit of humility. Try your best to have a, a, a spirit of humility. You say, preacher, but I'm right. Okay, okay. You say, we were fussing the other, the other day, but I'm right. Okay. Even if you're right, exhibit a spirit of humility. Let me tell you why. Because if you exhibit humility, you can rest assured God is on your side. Listen to Proverbs 3, verse 34. You can just write these down and look them up in your, in your devotions later. Proverbs 3, 34. Surely he scorneth the scorners, but he giveth grace unto the lowly. James 4, 6. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. 1 Peter 5, 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humility. Hey, just exhibit some humility. You say, but I'm right. Okay. Okay, so you're right. Exhibit humility. Exhibit humility. Old story. I don't know that I've told it, though, since we've been in this new building. So, hey, kids, listen to this. You'll like this. So, two billy goats came to a little bridge that crossed a, a river, and this river had a lot of current. And it really wasn't a bridge. Really what it was is a, it was a small tree had fallen over the creek, and they used that for a bridge. And this billy goat came, and he was crossing, crossing the river. And about that time, another billy goat came, uh, billy goat came the opposite, opposite direction to cross the river, and they met in the middle. And the one billy goat said, you better go back. And the other billy goat said, I'm not going back. He said, you need to go back because I'm stronger. The other billy goat said, nope, you're not stronger. I'm stronger and I'm not going back. And they went at it for a little while and finally they put their heads down. They began to butt one another and then all of a sudden they lost their footing and they fell into the river and the rapids carried them down to the waterfall and washed them over the waterfall. Both billy goats lost their lives drowned in the water. Just a few minutes later, same scenario. Billy Goat came getting ready to cross that little tree, that little bridge, and another Billy Goat came the opposite direction. And the first Billy Goat said, you better back up, I'm coming across. And the second Billy Goat said, I'm not backing up. <laughs> and the first Billy Goat said, I'm stronger than you. 
You better back up. And the other Billy Goat said, I'm wiser than you. And I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll lay down and let you walk over me. And that way we can both get successfully to our destination. And so that old, wise billy goat laid down. And that little cocky, arrogant billy goat climbed over him. And they both went on their way. Hey, church, you know what? Every once in a while, even though you're in the right, it won't hurt us to just lie down. To exhibit some humility. You say, but preacher, my wife, <laughs> listen to me, fellas, I'm just telling you. I'm trying to, as your pastor and not a hireling, as your pastor, I'm trying to help you. Every once in a while, even though you're right, just lay down. Same thing, ladies, parents, children, employers, employees. Listen, whatever it is, exhibit humility. There's something else real quickly, real quickly here. Number, number next is the word dignity. When you experience a disagreement, don't deprive someone of all dignity. Even if you're right, don't go in for the kill. I wrote this down in my outline here, and I don't have time. I've got stories here that I could take, take you to. But let me just give you this statement. Disagreement doesn't equal degrading. Hey, Calvary, did we hear that? Disagreement doesn't equal degrading. Just because you disagree with somebody doesn't mean you have to degrade them. There, there's a story. You can just look it up later in your, in your devotions. 1 Samuel chapter 26 the Bible says that King Saul is after David, and David has the opportunity to degrade Saul, King Saul. In fact, they come upon King Saul in a cave, and Saul is sleeping, and I believe it's Abishai, I think that's right, one of David's right-hand men, and Abishai says to David, oh, listen, the Lord's delivered him into your hand, smite him. No, I, I take that back. He said, let me smite him. That's what he said. Let me smite him. And then he said this, I won't have to smite him a second time. The first time we'll do it. And David said, don't touch the Lord's anointed. Now, David had the opportunity to go in for the kill, but he wasn't going to deprive Saul of that dignity. Hey, listen, be sure you leave. Be sure you leave people with dignity. The Bible says in Proverbs 51, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. We're almost done. It's 1234. We're almost done. The, the fifth word is the word perceptivity. Understand. Listen, this is an important one. We're going to the last point. Understand something, folks. Perceive something that you are not going to change somebody. Now, that's a big lesson. You're not going to change. Fellas, I hate to tell you all this. You're not going to change her. Hey, ladies, I hate to tell you this. You're not going to change him. You say, preacher, how can you say that? Here's the reason I can say that. You're not going to change them. You know why? You can't even change yourself. You can't even change yourself. You know what Paul said? Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Hey, did you know it's got to be Jesus that does the changing? And so just go ahead and realize something. Go ahead and perceive something. You're not going to change them. You're not going to change them. Now, you can, uh, you can voice your disagreement. You can tell them what you have a problem with. But at the end of the day, listen, at the end of the day, something you need to perceive, that it is only the Lord who's going to change them. It's only the Lord. And so you know what you've got to do? That means rather than you fuss and fuss and fuss and fuss or whatever the case may be, just pray for them. Pray for them. You say, preacher, there's somebody in this church. I'm telling you, but they get on my last nerve. Listen, I love you this morning, but I'm going to tell you something. You're not going to change them. You're not going to change them. Best thing you can do is just perceive that it is the Lord that changes the heart and, uh, and you pray for them and trust God to make the change. Amen. Last of all, we're done. Brother Brandon, you'll like this. Flexibility. We talk about this word all the time, flexibility. We're talking about resolving disagreements. Learn to be more flexible. Hey, church, listen. Refuse to disagree over foolish things. I know we're rushing, but listen to this. Romans 12, 18. If it be possible, 
as much as lies in you, live peaceably with all men. You know what that's talking about? Flexibility. It's not always easy. You don't always want to. But as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. You know what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9? He said, for though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. To the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I made all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Flexibility, learn to be flexible. Some of you today, listen, if you've got that rod of steel up your back, and you say, preacher, I'm not bending, I'm not bowing, you know what, today would be a great day for you to come get on this altar and say, Lord, would you take that away from me? Lord, help me to be humble. Father, help me, to, help me to be flexible. No, I'm not always gonna agree with everybody, but help me to be flexible. And Lord, help me to, to as much as I can to live peaceably with all men everywhere. I read a, I read a great story, interesting story this week. Uh, his name was Frank Lloyd Wright. Now, some of you, if, if, you've, if you've heard that name or you know something about him, one of the things that I did learn about Frank Lloyd Wright was he was not a moral man. He was not a moral man, but he was a brilliant man. He had a brilliant mind. And Frank Lloyd Wright was famous because, at least for one reason, he was given the impossible, what they called the impossible task of building the Imperial uh, Hotel in Tokyo, Japan. They said at the time, and this was back in the 20s, uh, even in the teens, um, but they said that no construction job had ever been attempted like this before and that that building would cost, this is in the early 20s, that that building would cost $7 million. Now, you got to understand, this is back about 1918, 1919, when they started building this thing. And so $7 million would be like a billion nowadays. And so it was just, it was absolutely astronomical. And so Frank, uh, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright laid out the plans and the thing that was so uh, th that was so interesting about this story is that he was going to build this in Tokyo, Japan. And Tokyo, Japan was known for something. It was known for earthquakes. And so after he carefully reviewed everything that was going on in the site, he found out that eight feet below the surface of the ground, there was a 60-foot bed of soft mud. And Frank Wright thought, why not try to build this hotel on that soft surface? And maybe, just maybe, that soft surface will help it absorb the shock from earthquakes. So that's exactly what they did. Listen to this. On September the 1st, 1923, the hotel opened. And on the same exact day, Tokyo, Japan suffered its worst earthquake in 50 years. Buildings were destroyed, houses toppled. Hundreds of people were, thousands and thousands of people were homeless. But that Imperial Hotel stood firm. You know why? Because they built it on somewhat of a flexible surface. Flexible. Hey, just learn to be flexible. He said, well, preacher, I don't get along, brother, so-and-so. Okay, all right. Reality. Not everybody's gonna be your greatest friend. You're not gonna agree with every single person you work with. You're not always gonna see eye-to-eye -eye with that one that you live with and sleep in the same bed with. Hey, kids, you're not always, in fact, most of the time, you're not gonna understand why your parents do what they do why they say what they say, you're not gonna understand because you're not there yet. By the way, you will understand. Those days are coming. And you'll say, wow, dad was a lot smarter than I thought he was. But learn to be flexible, flexible. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, we thank you for this time we've had together today. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as much as life in us to live peaceably 
with all men. Father, help us to strive to get along with others, whether that's our spouse, our employer, our employee, our parent, our child, somebody in this church family. Lord, help us as much as life in us to live peaceably with all men. Lord, I pray that you'll take this very simple, simple message and I pray that you'll use it in hearts today. Father, maybe somebody this morning can relate to this, st- this story of David McCall. Lord, bitterness begin to creep in. Father, if there's anybody, anybody at all in our church, bitterness has begun to creep in. Oh, Jesus, help them. Help them to deal with that today. God, help us to have hearts of forgiveness. Maybe there's a married couple today that's at odds. And today, Lord, they would come back together again, love each other. Maybe there's moms and dads that are at odds right now. Father, I pray that you'd help them to have sweet communion. God, maybe there's some kids that have awed against their parents. God, right now, I pray that you'd help them to find forgiveness. God, I pray that you'd restore those relationships and that fellowship. And God, help them to have sweet, sweet communion. Lord, like you've created. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Can I ask a question or two? How many here this morning would say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond any shadow of any doubt, I know that I know that I know that I'm saved and on my way to heaven when I die. If that's you this morning, you just slip your hand up and say, Preacher, that's me. I know that I'm saved. That's wonderful. Praise the Lord. You can lower your hands. But let me ask this. How many are here right now? And you'd say, Pastor, if I died, if I died right now, preacher, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. I want to go. I'm just not sure that I would. And preacher, I want you to pray for me. Is there one like that right now? You just quickly raise your hand. I see that hand. Is there somebody else? I see that hand. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. I see that little hand. Thank you. Who else? I see that hand. Who else? Preacher, if I died right now, I'm just not sure I'd go. I want to go. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. I'm just not sure I would. And pastor, I care enough to slip up my hand and let you pray for me. Is there one more? Is there one more? Can I pray with you? I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, let me pray for you. Anybody else? All right. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed, and I'm going to pray for all of you who just raised your hand. I'm going to pray for you. Let me ask you a question, Christian. Is there any ounce, is there any ounce of bitterness that might be present in your heart right now? And if there is, I'm going to ask you to do something. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to make your way to this old-fashioned altar. And today, I want you to say something like this to the Lord. Please, take this bitterness away. And God, replace it with forgiveness. God, give me a humility and a flexibility. God, help me to be the Christian that you want me to be. How many with heads bowed and eyes closed and not one person looking, how many here here today would say, Pastor, you didn't know it, you had no idea, but the Holy Spirit knew. And there's a situation right now, even in my life, where the devil has been trying to sort of needle his way in. And I really need some prayer. I really need some prayer about it. God spoke to my heart. Would you pray for me right now, Pastor? Just slip your hand up right now. If that's you, that's you. Right now, right now. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. Hands. I I saw hands going up all over the room. Hey, listen, church, let's make a move for the Lord today. I'm going to ask our congregation to stand, if you would, quietly with our heads bowed. I'm going to ask our personal workers if they wouldn't mind slipping down to the altar this morning. Young or old, adults, children, teenagers, we've got somebody here that would 
Love to help you. Love to pray with you, especially if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. I want you to come, okay? We're not going to make you give a speech. Nothing. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. No, no, no. We just want to take the Bible and show you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven when you die. We won't embarrass you, but we would like to show you to the Lord today. So, Father, folks are already beginning to move. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would have your way in this invitation. God, we thank especially of those who raised their hands and said they're not sure of heaven. Oh, God, today, I pray they'll come and let us show them how they can know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. God, give them faith right now, Father. Draw them to yourself, please, and give them faith to believe. Then, Lord, others that may be dealing with things, maybe dealing with emotional situations in their family, or maybe someone's dealing with bitterness, or God, maybe someone needs forgiveness today. God, I pray they'd come. Lord, it could be there's somebody here today and bitterness is literally eating them up. Oh, God, today I pray they'd come. And God, I pray that they'd get some help on this altar. Father, have your way, have your way. Lord, please, and we thank you so much in Jesus' name. And we're gonna keep our heads bowed and our eyes closed just for another moment. If you're here this morning and you raise your hand and say, Pastor, I'm not sure about heaven. I want you to do this. I want you to step out right now. I want you to step out. And we have somebody down here in the altar with a Bible and they wanna just show you from the Bible how you can know for sure that you're going to heaven when you die. Would you come right now? Would you come? If you raise your hand all around the room, Pastor, not sure of heaven. Would you come? Would you come? Can we talk to you? about the Lord. We're not going to embarrass you. We just want to talk to you about the Lord. Would you come while we wait? Would you come? Folks are in the altars. Are there others? Are there others that need to come? Is there somebody that you need to forgive? Is there something that you need to let go of today? Preacher, I'm not holding on to it any longer. I'm going forward. I'm not going to stay like this. I refuse. I refuse to, to live like this. I want a clear heart, clean heart. Would you come while we wait? Would you come? So, Father, thank you for all that you're doing right now. I don't know all you're doing. But whatever it is, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd give help, and I pray that you'd give healing right now, and I pray you'd give grace. And Father, I pray that folks would go away helped and encouraged. God, I don't think we've got very much longer. I think the Lord's coming. I think the Lord is coming. God, if we've ever been right with you and if we've ever been right with others, now's the time. God, now's the time to extend forgiveness and mercy and grace Now's the time, Lord, just to agree to disagree, but love folks and go forward. And Lord, right now, I pray that you'd work. Lord, especially those that need to be saved. Oh, Lord, please help this to be the day. God, help this to be the day. I pray you'd give them courage to come. And Father, we thank you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just We're going to pause just for a moment. We'll sing.